Uh, I just want to share a message that I hope challenges you, maybe f- inspires you, fills you with a little bit of hope, and I've called it Christmas Restoration. Christmas Restoration. This is the third time um, in my time here at Huron that we've had a Christmas Day service. Okay, so we had one in 2005, we had one in 2011. Uh, there was a Christmas Day service in 2016, um, but my family uh, had to go to Denver for a funeral, actually, at that time, and so we missed uh, that service with you here, and so that was a little bit of a different Christmas for us, but today is our third one, and they tell us that it will be 11 more years until we do this again. Uh, I didn't believe that. I felt like that was a long time, but I sure enough went through the calendar, and the year 2033 we will be meeting again for Christmas Day service. Um, Maybe in this room, uh, maybe in a different room, uh, maybe around the throne. Um, I don't know what 2033 looks like, but um, you know that I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I know that there's 365 days till the next Christmas. Um, Tomorrow, I will remind you, there's only 364 days till the next Christmas. Um, I love everything about this season. And because everything about this season, whether it's the traditional Advent church stuff about Jesus coming or his second coming, or whether it's just um, if people that say happy holidays and, you know, this is a season of giving, that's so true. And even if they don't acknowledge why it is, I can celebrate the fact that everything about the, the, this holiday, people put lights on their houses. Um, light is about why, I mean, Jesus is the light. And so I don't get caught up in whether or not uh, this fits the right narrative or not narrative, because really none of the narratives are correct anyway. Um, more than likely, Jesus wasn't born in December. Uh, most of our Christian traditions around Christmas actually trace to pagan roots in, in the Roman Empire, the pagan rituals that they just brought over into Christianity. And I, I'm not saying that celebrating Christmas is bad. I'm just saying that it can be what it is. Uh, We can celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ and all that it means. There is nothing biblical that commands us to celebrate the birth of Christ. We are not commanded anywhere in Scripture to do it. In fact, we ought to celebrate the birth of Christ every day. I mean, I think about Charles Dickens in his great classic, A Christmas Carol, Ebenezer Scrooge says, I will keep the spirit of Christmas in my heart. I will honor it all the year long. That's what this is all about. And so I I challenge us often as a church to be careful getting involved in the cultural Christmas war. Um, Is the world trying to take Christ out of Christmas? Well, probably. Um, John chapter 3, verse 19 says, light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So, yeah, it's no-brainer that people want to take Christ out of Christmas. But when I was a child, uh, someone wrote Merry Xmas one time, and I remember a church person who was, like, just flipped out about, why would you do that? The world is trying to take Christ out of Christmas. But then as I went to Bible college and studied, I actually figured out that the church was the one that first started abbreviating Christmas with an X. Because the Greek word key, or Greek letter key, is what Christ starts with. And if you write that letter X, the key, all by itself, that's Christ. And so they abbreviated Christmas. It's actually Christmas, not Christmas, because Christmas is the mass and celebration of the the holiday of Christ, or the birth of Christ. So, So we can just settle down 
And we can celebrate this holiday and all that it means. And we can receive it and we can walk in it. And I look like the tame one here today uh, after the way everyone else up here was dressed. But you can throw on weird Christmas suits and sweaters and you can just live it up because Christmas should be the happiest time of the year. Amen? Well, last week we talked about Simeon and Anna. And they were looking for this coming restoration. And they recognized the infant Jesus when no one else really did. They recognized that this poor child would be the Messiah. He would be the king come to rescue all mankind. And I challenged us in that message that we should be like that. We should anticipate the full restoration that is still coming. That's what Advent does. Advent celebrates the first coming, but it also celebrates the second coming. And there is so much more that has been given to you and I than Simeon and Anna had access to. I know that the Bible says Simeon was a man led by the Spirit, but you and I are filled with the Spirit. If anyone is a son of God, a daughter of God, you have the Spirit of God living in you. You are filled. You are commanded by the Apostle Paul to be filled up daily with the Spirit. Don't get drunk with wine. Don't give yourself over to sin, but let the Holy Spirit fill and control you every moment of every single day. That's something that Simeonina did not have to look forward to. But in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, I read this verse last night, and this verse, this Christmas season, has really become special for me. Let me, let see if you can guess why. The Word, which is Jesus, the Word, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. There's two things I love. He brought light to everyone. They may not receive his light, but he brought it to everyone. And it's still there because it can't be extinguished. No matter how anti-God you become, no matter how hateful you become, how much you curse him, his light is still there for you. Always. And, and I know it's hard because we get pressed down by disappointments. We get pressed down by frustrations. We look around and it feels like we're losing ground. There's all these failures in our own lives, these unmet expectations, these seemingly unanswered prayers, these difficult moments that we walk through, these suicides, these tragedies. All of the difficulties of life cause us to throw up our hands sometimes, not in praise, but in despair and wonder if there is any light. And this verse reminds us, no matter how much darkness there is in the world, the darkness can never extinguish the light. The reality of what Christ has done does not diminish when we cannot see it with our natural eyes. It's still there. But will you and I be like Simeon and Anna every single day walking into every situation looking for the restoration, looking for the moment, not the second coming, but the restoration, the kingdom that Jesus said is breaking out right now? Will we look for it in the face of all odds when against all hope the way Abraham did? Will we continue to look and believe for restoration of that co-worker that maybe this year we got so frustrated with we thought they were hopeless. Maybe we even said it. That family member that continues to walk in that cycle of, of addiction or that cycle of despair or that cycle of self-harm and we think, oh, it's hopeless. There's no hope for that person. Will we be led by what we see or will we be led by the truths of the word of God that salvation has come for everyone? And no matter how dark it is, it can't extinguish it. 
Simeon's prayer in Luke chapter 2. Okay, we looked at Simeon and Anna last week, but look at his prayer specifically. In verse 29, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation. I love this. All he saw was a baby, and the guy is celebrating. Because he knows it's coming. You and I, we, man, we don't celebrate until the deal is done. How many of us celebrate the seed that got planted? I mean, we, we just simply don't know what seed God is planting even right now in our hearts in this moment that maybe in 10 years is going to birth. Maybe on the other side of eternity, we're going to look back and see it. We just don't know, but we, we understand that there is a God that is always at work, that never sleeps. There is a light that is shining that can never be extinguished. He's come to bring salvation. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared again for all people. All people. What people are not a part of all people? No people. All people are all people. This is for everyone. Everyone. And I know, trust me, I understand what it's like to walk through your day and think, maybe for all people, but not that one. Like, that one is beyond hope. And it may be someone you know personally. It may be just someone that you watch on TV or on Fox News or CNN, and you think that person, would you start praying for that person rather than just listening to what the news is telling you about how evil that person is? That person has a soul. Salvation has come for them, and the light is shining. Darkness can never extinguish it. And you and I need to live these lives. We need to be restoration people every single day. Do we act differently at Christmas time than we do any other time of the year? I mean, do we act more generous at Christmas time or more peaceful at Christmas time or more joyful at Christmas time because it's, it is the season? Or do we act differently because of Christmas? Is this season a catalyst for a life that is full of restoration, always anticipating hope, always being generous, always being full of joy? Is, that's what this season should do. And if this season is only about acting a certain way for a few days in December, then let's throw it all away and shut it down because it's actually hindering the work of God going forth. It ought to be because of this moment that everything changes. He has brought salvation. Salvation is not a ticket to heaven. The word sozo in the Greek, salvation, means wholeness. It means healing. It means life. It means reconciliation. It means restoration. It means joy. It means hope. It means peace. It means everything that we have need of. And are you and I as restoration people striving to bring these realities into our daily lives? Because I believe these realities are already purchased for us. It's up to us to, to not be swayed by the hopelessness, the despair, the frustration of ourselves or our culture or our families, but to stay in a place of hope and to walk in agreement with what is true, understanding the light has come and the darkness cannot extinguish it. Every person we encounter is primed for salvation. Every single person. One, and we don't live like this. We get caught up in the busyness. We get caught up in the realities of life, and we forget that every single person is primed for salvation. Every person is one encounter away from a life of following Jesus. And maybe you're just getting them one encounter closer. You don't have to seal the deal to celebrate. If you get them one step closer to an encounter with Jesus that will transform their lives, you have done your job. And every person we encounter, we should leave with hope. We should leave with peace. We should leave with joy. Because it's easy 
to become cynical and jaded and frustrated and treat people like just ordinary people. There are no ordinary people. And there are no ordinary moments. In Acts chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it says, One day, Peter and John, just another day, go into the temple for prayer. I mean, what could happen at prayer? This even happened on the way to prayer. They were probably late for the prayer meeting, and the pastor probably yelled at them, Where have you been? Your prayer meeting started 15 minutes ago. There was a man who was lame from birth. So unless he was like a year old, Jesus probably walked by this man. And yet for some reason, either Jesus didn't go to him, or that man didn't cry out to Jesus, I don't know. But one day, just another day, Peter and John, on the way to the temple, say to him, Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. And the man jumped up on his feet and went leaping and dancing into the temple courts, praising God. You don't... The thing is, is the only, the only way we know the difference between one day and an extraordinary day is hindsight. And sometimes the hindsight is like 10 or 15 years. Sometimes the seed that you plant, you don't see anything for 15 years, and then one day. This is the hope we live with. I mean, Simeon and Anna, for 80 years, this woman living in the temple just for this one moment so you and I could have the witness that this is the Christ child. Man, that is hope, and that's what Christmas brings to us. So this is what God has been doing all along. This salvation for everyone. But then there's the second part of Simeon's prayer. This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And he will be a sign that will be spoken against. (laughs) Don't get bent out of shape when people speak against Jesus. I mean, it's been prophesied. They're going to do this. Okay? I mean, I'm not saying you should rejoice and like it, but you don't have to fight his battles for him. (laughs) He's got some big shoulders. And he can handle what people say about him. So don't, be, don't get caught up in it. Don't get dragged into a, a war of words with someone who's cursing Jesus. Bless them. He taught you, if they curse you, bless them. So if they curse him, bless them. You get that? Because he probably lived by his own words, I would think. Right? He didn't tell us to curse people that bless him or bless people that curse him if he didn't do it himself. And so there's going to be this sign that there's going to be rising, there's going to be falling, and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. That word catches my attention. Why not all hearts? Aren't all hearts going to be revealed? I mean, yes, ultimately, all hearts are going to be revealed one day, but Simeon's prophecy is about those who turn to the Messiah, their hearts will be revealed. That's you and I. When we turn to him, our hearts get revealed. And then he says to Mary, a sword will pierce your own soul too. And I know that he's talking to Mary, but I also know that he's talking to us. Because you cannot follow Jesus without a sword piercing your soul. Because there is stuff inside of us, uh, even us nice good church folk that show up here on Christmas morning, there is stuff living inside of us. There is bitterness. There's unforgiveness. I mean, let someone pull out in front of you in traffic, it'll come up. Let someone shortchange you at a restaurant, it'll come up. Let someone forget to do their job at work. It'll come up. Let your kids disobey you for the umpteenth time. 
It'll come up. Let people push the right buttons politically. It'll come up. There is all kinds of yuck in our hearts. And the, the thing is, is we have to come to him believing that he disciplines those he loves and say, pierce my soul. Pierce my soul. I want it. I mean, he's good. He can be trusted. It's going to be painful, but it's going to be good. And you and I have to let that happen. Otherwise, we walk through life not cynical and jaded, but puffed up with pride and arrogant, thinking we have the Messiah, we have the Spirit, we have it right, and those people over there do not. But the reality is there's still stuff in my life he needs to pierce. And I want to welcome that every single day. His kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. And regardless of how much you love him, I promise you there is something he says that you don't like. And I'm not saying you don't like it in a church service. I'm saying you don't like it in the reality. Even the do good to those who curse you. For those of you having family gatherings over the next few weeks, and Uncle Cursor is there, let him curse you, and you do good to him. Okay? I promise you, your flesh is not like, yes, I can't, I want to bless him again. There, are, there is something about the words of Jesus that will pierce your soul if you let it. In fact, the Lord disciplines those he loves. So if he's not piercing your soul for anything, the question is, are you even in relationship with him? Because he wants to pierce us. But like a surgeon, not like Peter with the crazy machete cutting off somebody's ear. Okay, there's enough of those people out there He'll pierce you in the right way. I believe if we're going to be a people that strive for restoration, that believe for what's possible, that live every day with anticipation, with hope that today could be the day, we have to let our soul get pierced. We have to believe that salvation is for everyone. I want to read a long passage from Colossians chapter 1 that I think is just going to stir your hearts um, it's a reminder of what Christ has done for us. And then I want to share a story with you, and then we're going to sing a song, and I'm going to let you go. That's all we're going to do. But in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, this is Paul's prayer for the church, and this is my prayer for Restoration Church this Christmas. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience you need. We need it, amen? May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. He's enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us, present tense, into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. Do you hear this? He's already reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's own blood on the cross. 
In chapter 2, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it all away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. When it seems like we're losing, you and I have to read Colossians 1 and 2 and remind ourselves we've already won. What I see with my eyes is not the reality of what Christ has purchased on the cross. And I have to live in hope, and I have to declare hope, and I have to speak hope, and I have to pray hope, and I have to trust that one day is not just going to be one day. One day is going to be an extraordinary day when the kingdom breaks out in a way that I did not expect because of all the one days I lived in hope. If we don't learn to live one day in hope, every day in hope, you will not experience the extraordinary days where the kingdom breaks out. We have to live in hope. We have to encourage each other to live in hope. When we hear each other talking all the, uh, hey, come on, come with me. Let's, let's, let's focus on what is good, what is, what is right, what is true, what is noble, what is honorable. These are the things. The song that we're going to end the service with today, I want to tell you the story. It's the song I heard the bells on Christmas Day. But, It's actually a poem that was written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Henry lost his wife tragically, but he remarried. And the wife that he married, he he called the love of his life. And together they had several children. And one day, I believe it was a Christmas day, um, they were using melted wax to take some hair that they had cut from one of their young children. And his wife was using it to to save the hair. Um, And her dress caught fire. Henry tried to save her, putting out the flames, smothering the flames with his own body. Um, and a few days later, she gave in to her injuries. She succumbed to them, and she passed away. Um, man, that'll ruin Christmas in a hurry. He was not even well enough because of the injuries he sustained to attend her funeral. And so for two or three Christmases after that, he talks about the sorrow that he felt on Christmas and how... Um, A mother should never be taken from young children. But he always tried to stay in hope. Well, Henry hated war, but his young son was infatuated with the civil war that was taking place at the time. And Henry didn't want his son to have any part of it. He didn't think he could bear the loss of someone else. Um, And he was a pacifist. And so Henry's son ran away from home, and he joined the army. And I won't tell you which side he fought on. doesn't matter. Uh, But he was severely wounded, and Henry had to spend six months nursing him back to health. By the way, when he went to war, Henry wrote to him. He blessed him. Uh, Even though he disagreed with the choice, he still was a father to him. Um, His son was injured. He nursed him back to health. And it was one Christmas during all of this time, in the backdrop of this, that Henry wrote the words, Do I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day? You know that... The old churches had a bell that would ring and play carols on Christmas Day. You could hear them in these small towns. This is what he said. I heard the bells on Christmas Day. Their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song throughout history of peace on earth, goodwill to men. 
Now, we kind of ruin this when we sing it at church. And his verse 3, we generally move to verse 5. We've moved it back up here to verse 3. Till ringing singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day. A voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. What he's trying to do is, is reassure himself that day always follows night. Like, it's, it's going to be okay. He's, you can already hear him trying to talk himself up. But then there are two verses that we don't sing in our Christmas carol because they refer to the Civil War. And this is the one. This stanza says, Then from each black accursed mouth a cannon thundered in the south. And with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the household born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. <laughs> and in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate, I love this song. <laughs> For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. I, I love this song especially right now because there's so much talk in our nation about how divided we are. We haven't been this divided since the Civil War. And there's no peace on earth. Hate is strong. And it mocks all these songs. And it's so much like the time of Henry Longfellow. But the, the last verse of this song is as if the bells are answering back. Because you can look and you can see the despair. You can look at two wives that you've lost. You can look at a son that was tragically wounded. You can look at the civil war and all the hatred around you. And you can hang your head in despair and think it's all hopeless and it's lost. Or you can listen for the bells that play out the same carols. Then peeled the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. So this Christmas, the question is, this past year, have we given in to cynicism or hopelessness? Have we given in to the mundane or the pain that can numb us? Or are we living with hopeful anticipation? Do we live differently at Christmas or do we live differently because of Christmas? Are we welcoming the piercing of our own soul, knowing that through that piercing, he's going to bring even greater light to those around us? See, in 2023, we are looking for a people of restoration, a people that are anticipating it, a people that are bringing it everywhere we go. As I challenged us last week, that we would be a people led by the Spirit, not unaware of how the Spirit works, a people that pray in the Spirit, a people that manifest the gifts of the Spirit, a people that will not say, however much of awareness of the Spirit I've reached, it's not enough. There's more because there's salvation and restoration that needs to break out in our city. And so I need to press in. I need to live with hope. We need to be permitted, committed to the scriptures in all of its fullness without losing the compassion that marked Jesus' ministry. We don't just want to be zealous for the word, but we want to be righteous. And we want to be compassionate, knowing that salvation is for everyone. We want to be able to work, recognize the work of God even when it's in, in its infant stages. We want to refuse that critical, cynical, grumbling, complaining, frustrated spirit. And we just want to talk about restoration with anyone who will listen. And that's my hope 
for this church as we go into this new year is that we become these people of restoration. And so I want to invite you to stand with me if you're able. And we're going to sing this chorus together without the, without the verses about the Civil War. We don't need those. We could write our own verses about our days today. But I want these words to just minister to your heart as we close this service this morning. the bells on Christmas Day for that truth that today we know that the light has come and the darkness can never extinguish it no matter how much it tries help us to keep our hearts filled with anticipation filled with hope Holy Spirit I pray that daily as we lean into your word as we lean into you that you would cause our hearts to overflow with hope through your power Help us to choose not to give in to the frustration, to the despair, to the loss, to the unmet expectations, to the hatred that's all around us. May those Christmas bells ring out in our hearts louder and louder with each passing day that you are here, that today could be the day that the kingdom breaks out in a way it never has before even as we await the day when your kingdom will come fully on this earth. May we live in anticipation of a Christmas restoration every day in 2023. Holy Spirit, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Well, thank you again for spending your Christmas morning with us, whether you're watching online or here in the room. If you're in the room, again, please make sure you stop by the table. Lots of information about the church out there. The offering baskets will be out there. And also the book, if you've not picked up your copy of the book, that's out there as well. God bless you as you go and have a Merry Christmas.